And we're live. That actually took a specially long time. I'm going to blame um, Seska in Georgia today because why not? Um, all right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for you. I can't help myself, Doc. You know I got to blame you. Uh, so welcome back to another episode of the Blasters and Plays podcast. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, first I'm going to say, Mary, you've been on the show too much if you've memorized our intro. Actually, I've watched that many of your podcasts. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, normally we would do ladies first, but Mary, you've been on a few times. Um, and so we are going to let David Weber, uh, who probably needs no introductions, but we're going to let him do it anyway. David, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? I'm you know, in case they live under rocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm Sharon Rice Weber's husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that fits. That fits. I've met her. There you go. Um, and uh, I write science fiction. Um, probably most folks know me best for Honor Harrington, uh, also the Safe Hold series with Tor. Um, I realized uh, this year uh, I will have been doing this for 35 years, uh, which is yep. a while. <laughs> anyway, that's me. Because he's too stubborn to quit and find a real job, right? Yeah, I, I <laughs> couldn't find one that did hire me, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. All right. And uh, last but not least, Mira, you've been on the show before, but in case people miss those episodes, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Uh, my name is Mira Rose. I'm a production designer, costumer, makeup artist, uh, prop maker, um, general geek of all trades with Prop House 42 Productions, and a longtime person on the convention scene, 26 some odd years now, um, all over the U.S. and Canada, uh, but my home cons are Virginia and Georgia primarily. So, yeah. All right. So normally we would do how we first met the guest, but everybody has listened. If you haven't, we've done it a couple times. Go listen to Mir's past episodes. You'll figure out how she and Doc met. Uh, knowing Doc, probably at a bar somewhere, but, you know, we don't judge much. It was a uh, hotel at Dragon Con. That, that, the bar that, in the hotel in Dragon Con. Okay, yeah. exactly. Aren't rooms aren't rooms <laughs> yeah. and bars at Dragon Con pretty much synonymous? Yeah. Uh, fair. So, yeah. and, uh, as as far as David, uh, well, everybody, you know, if you go to a bookstore, you found his books, and then at least on my end, I met you in person at the very last HonorCon. Uh, you, uh, Marco Clus, I, and a few others were arguing about the proper construction of a hamburger and where the cheese goes in the order of March. Yeah. It was a very That's interesting important. discussion. I never thought I would have. It's a critical issue, okay? It, it I mean, is important, yeah. and you don't and realize it, it until it just, you start it discussing just, it. It just gets ignored in all so, of the cuisine programs. I just, you know, I can't can't deal with it. <laughs> all right. And since Mira's been here before, we're not going to get the, the religion questions to her. But, uh, Doc, this is, this is your question. You always ask it, so I'm going to let you do it again today. Can you ask David the religion question? Yes, I can. This is a dangerous question. Hmm. I mean, so, dangerous, David. Dangerous topic for the day yeah i know oh jr gave me a couple options now we'll be nice we're gonna go star wars star trek or firefly i could have put pern in there what would happen if i said none of the above that's acceptable give us a reason you wouldn't be the first because my favorite of the lot is uh star wars rogue one ah. all the rest i just never really have done it for me that one did it. That one nailed it. 
It was okay. So I guess I would be agnostic leaning towards good Star Wars. Someday so, I'll have yeah. to ask about the new series because yeah. I really enjoyed that based on Rogue One. Yeah, I would love to have seen that whole yeah, but I mean they did kill most of the characters, but but it was it was absolutely I thought the most daring thing that they did <laughs> in the entire Thing. If you couldn't see the screen at the bottom, I know Mara said you're on your phone. Uh, I, I whenever she mentions Pern as sci-fi, I always put Pern as fantasy because dragons. It's a long going discussion. She thinks just because the author said it was sci-fi that that should count. But you know, yes. I took English lit. It I know actually wrong about their own. Well, we will have this discussion and argument another time because hey. we have some very important things. They got no elves and dwarves. They got, they got no elves and dwarves. They got and genetic engineering. Thank you. Science fiction. Thank you. And 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 the big thing is, you know, there's so many hotly debated things in fandom, Pern, science fiction or fantasy. It's both. Yes. It's like it is Die Hard works. a Christmas movie. Okay. Yes. You know. yes. <laughs> uh, all right, Doc, you gotta ask the, the last religion question. We gotta see if he gets the stag. Okay. Right. So Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time, or Conan the Barbarian. Oh, Conan the Barbarian. Excellent answer. <laughs> yes. Okay, you know. Sorry. So we, we used to ask we used to ask Lord of the Rings, but that was just not fair to any other contender. And I haven't found anything that's as iconic as uh, Wheel of Time and Game of Thrones in the fantasy space that everyone just knows, even if they've never read. So for now, it's Conan because Arnold. But if we find a better one, we'll switch it up. And if you've got ideas, dear listener, dear viewer, send us a message, and we can we can you know mix it up some. We're we're game to try. Movies or books or both. Both. We try to pick stuff that's both. Ah, cane of the crushing hands. Ooh, that's yeah. a good one. Let me write that down. And Doc, can you introduce why we're here if they haven't uh, read the title? So, we're here today because this is a roundtable fireside discussion. We're going to talk about uh, if you follow fandom stuff, there's been some interesting developments with MarsCon that kind of reflect some of what trends we've seen in science fiction and fantasy fandom about who should be guests, what to do when guest announcements go awry and people get noisy about not liking somebody for one reason or another and how hopefully we can all have a civil discourse on it. I think um, 2020 was great for a lot of things, but one of the things it wasn't great for was, or and I know I'm being tongue-in-cheek calling it great at anything, was we've all kind of developed these echo chambers, and sometimes we forget a little bit how to interact nicely with people who come from different viewpoints to the same issue. So, David Weber, you have definitely talked a ton about, about this uh, when uh, dis the Disco Discon, as well as Con Carolinas in 2018, and Je I think it was... No, it was not Gen Con. It was another gaming convention in Origins. 2018. Origins, yeah. They actually, Discon and Origins actually ended up disinviting a guest because of... So did Con Carolina. And, and Con uh, Carolina. Con, well, technically, Con, Con Carolinas didn't disinvite. I think well, they kind of came to an agreement I would, on it. I, but. Would say, I would call it a disinvitation. I was, I was deeply involved with the conversation going back and forth. But I would also say that Con Carolina did its absolute best to do the right thing after yeah. the fact. Okay. So, so and that's basically what we can talk about said. is how to go about doing what that right thing is. Yeah. Because yeah. 
it affects a lot of aspects. And Mira is here because she's been on the other end of it as well in different areas. And you've been, you've worn a, many different hats at many different conventions, guest and as well as con organizer. You've been on con boards. So this is a thing that affects our community. And I think we should all have a adult civil discussion on it. Yeah, so before so we, basically it sounds like you're saying we're here to break the internet. Yeah, but, I mean, but that might not blasters be a bad thing. <laughs> the Blasters and Blades podcast, we try to avoid political issues. Uh, I, I think since this is so closely related to the fandom, that's why Doc wanted to do it. She thought it was pertinent to, to our audience. However, having said that, we, uh, she worked very hard to get people on opposite sides of the various issues. So there was balance because otherwise you're just, contributing to one side or the other of the echo chamber. So that's why David and Mira, who are very public with their views on certain things. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to dive deeper into that, follow them on their Facebooks and do the thing, but. Okay. Oh no, let, you let have me, to send me a friend request to see what I think about things. <laughs> that's smart. Let me, let me insert something here. Mira and I are not, our politics are different. Yes. Okay. We are not coming from opposite perspectives where the need for civility, the need for discourse, uh, and the need for a community to at least talk to its all of its members if it's going to be healthier concern. Um, and I think that's significant because it's the folks who can still talk to each other that are the only hope we've got of, of pulling this thing back together. I and, would wholeheartedly. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, the the echo chamber started well before 2020. Oh, it did. Um, yeah, um, and I mean, I can tell you from what happened in 2018 with Con Carolinas, I can tell you exactly how that worked. And as a matter of fact, one of the reasons that I jumped into this one is that five years later, we are looking at an extraordinarily similar situation. Yeah. Uh, and we yes. need to learn from it and move forward. Well, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. We've got to maintain civility and respect because one of the things that um, one of the things that I do, I, I am an advocate, uh, educational disabilities advocate, and I work very hard to help people who do not always have a voice be heard. And in coming from that perspective, um, it's very easy for me to hear both sides and say, this is what one side is saying. This is what the other side is saying. Here's the common ground. Mm -hmm. Here's the ground where you differ. Here's where the discussion needs to occur. Yeah. And that's actually, it's really funny because there are a lot of people that look at me and look at Seska and go, <laughs> they're so different. <laughs> Because there are a lot of people out there who mistakenly think that Seska is a lot more conservative than she is um, and rightfully think that I am as left as I actually am and try to figure out how on earth the two of us could ever get along. And she's actually my best friend. Um, and so when I say you have to find a way to have these conversations and have the hard conversations civilly. Mm -hmm. because no one understands each other's perspective if everyone in the room is just screaming at each other. Yeah. And I, I have to say one thing that infuriates Sharon when we're having a discussion. 
is she's working up a really good mad at somebody on the other side. And I say, yeah, but honey, you know, from their perspective. And I said, she says, shut up. <laughs> you know? and I'm, like, I'm like, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> That's kind of had that conversation too. So uh, one one key indicator that Seska is not as conservative as people think is she puts pineapples on pizza, and that's just heresy. No, that's not that's not lack of conservatism. Yeah. That's have you have you been it tested could. lately? <laughs> anchovies, anchovies. Yes, pizza. and my mother didn't even do it. Oh God. <laughs> All right. That's not right. We're not talking about that. <laughs> so, so you you talked about David and and Mira both mentioned that you know part of it is cons have a very specific target audience. Each con is going to be aimed towards a slightly different thing, and so they try to pick guests that will um, fit the audience that they're seeking. You know, you don't want someone who makes I don't know fill in the blank at a con. I'm okay. I don't know what all the cons are, Doc. So I'm just trying to say, like, if it's okay, a like, it's a sci-fi okay. mill so, sci-fi con, you don't want a peacenik as your guest of honor, maybe. Well, I mean, but you could bring in a peacenik as long as it's somebody that appeals to your your fan base. I mean, the reality is, the cons need to be having the conversation before any invitations are made as to who the guests that fit their con footprint the best is and do their due diligence on looking things up online reading through their bios looking at their works talking to people and seeing if this is a person that might be interesting to the other convention goers for their con and i think I'm, go mary go <laughs> sorry um i feel like one of the things that has happened i, I mean the initial event that everybody remembers is like the kickoff to this actually wasn't even a guest. There was an author, John Delaroz, who had stated he was coming to Worldcon and he bought his membership and he felt concerned for some reason and wanted to record his panels or something along those lines. And the Worldcon con chair uh, and the board got together and decided that they didn't want that to happen because it was a breach of their policies or something along those lines. And so they refunded him his badge price and told him he was not allowed to come. And then they made a public statement about it. Now, this is where things get dicey, because when you start making public statements on behalf of your con, you can really do some damage if you don't word them correctly. And in this particular instance, the Worldcon con chair made some statements on Twitter that got him in a bit of trouble, and Delaroz actually sued Worldcon over it. Successfully, in a California Successfully, court. Successfully, in a California court. So, you know, that's when you get to this level of, okay, the first test of this actually didn't end well for the ConCon. You would have thought this would have been the learning point. But it wasn't. And then Con Carolinas happened. And now there's a couple of different stories on exactly what happened with Con Carolinas. David, correct me if I'm wrong. What I have heard is that basically several of the guests were uncomfortable by John Ringo coming and something about concealed weapons. Now, if you're talking about invited guests, as yeah. opposed to people at memberships. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, there was, I think, a total of one initially who was uncomfortable. A big part of the problem was that the allegations that were being made against John were patently untrue. 
especially once the ball started rolling, including the fact that he and Miriam had been trolling for underage girls for a sex bondage trio at a con. Um, yeah, I remember that. Me, I know no, both no, no, no. of them. I don't yes. think he has eyes for anyone but his wife. Yeah, but no, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, and, and John basically said, okay, I will withdraw as a guest if yeah. you will make it clear, you know, that I'm doing it to save the con trouble, you know, et cetera. And the con said, no, we, we can't do that. Okay. I mean, it was, there was a graceful path out. Uh, yeah. And part of it was that Jada was recovering from her concussion at the time. The whole situation got really ugly. Um, and that's when I put up the post that I put up about it. And then I got contacted by about three or four different members of the of the Con Carolina board and Jada and Luis. And we had a long conversation. And they I and I told them that I would not attend the con ever again unless John got a public apology. Uh, and Siska, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Siska, not you, Jada, mm -hmm. uh, actually delivered exactly that at closing ceremonies. And I was a guest the next year. Um, the situation was a mess, but they manned up at the end of it and, and I think did the best that could have been done in the situation. And it was complicated by the fact that in the same time window, Larry Correa was being was being getting exactly the same treatment from origins, uh, from right. origins. Okay. Um, and to me, this was a, an alarming escalation in a trend that had been going on for some time. Uh, so I announced then that Sharon and my policy was that we will never again attend a con, which disinvites a guest until the con board is replaced or the con issues a public apology and says, we're not going to do this no more uh, because it's the only weapon pros have. Yeah. Okay. Well, not to mention the fact that it's the only um, protection that we have as well, because the reality is all of us suffer when one of us is yes. disinvited, whether we agree with their politics or not. And this is actually what happened with Balticon, with Stephanie Burke, mm -hmm. and Worldcon with Mercedes Lackey, and with Mercedes Lackey, and with and so, with Tony, yes, yes, and with Tony yeah. at Discon. So the the Stephanie Burke was actually accused uh, during in the middle of a panel. She was removed from a panel by a volunteer, taken out into a very public hallway, and accused of being racist and transphobic. Now this is a black woman who has a transgender child. And in speaking on the panel, she had explained some of her experiences uh, in her past mm -hmm. relating to her race and related to bringing up her child. And for some reason, a complaint was made based on that. And so she was removed from all further panels, quite publicly disgraced. Mm -hmm. and drummed out of the con. I know. And she put a public post up and asked for the board to do something about it. The board conducted an investigation. They did, I think, let the volunteer go, is my understanding. Um, and then they made an apology, but it was not sufficient for what she was accused of by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And then you have a misspeak by Mercedes Lackey, who is speaking as a non-binary person 
who is part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, she is one of our pillars of, you know, representation. Has been for forever. Yes. yes. And the fact that she was pulled and questioned over her allyship because she used an outdated term. She is 70 years old. Well, it's an outdated term in reference to somebody who even referred to the fact that he knew her and he was okay with it. Yeah. And it wasn't a term he that bothered him. Yes. So this is a problem. And weaponizing these things on either side of the political spectrum is horrific. There well, is no-, no reason to do this to a guest. And if cons are going to do it, the cons that do it need to understand that they are sending a signal to the other guests in the community, no matter what their politics are, that they are not safe from the same behavior. The other thing that they are doing is they are sending a signal to the folks who don't share their particular set of ideological blinders that we are bigots. Yes. Okay. And then that's going to unleash the other side on them in in violent attacks, which is then going to be defined as invading our forum and and attacking us. And it's just going to escalate. I put I would say I would say I put about 80 percent of what's going on right now down to social media, maybe even more. A lot well, of that's it is, a lot of it's happening too. Yeah. yeah. Particularly the pre-convention, because it's easier to argue with somebody when you can't see their face and their reaction. Keyboard yeah. warriors. Um, like Mary and I were talking about whether or not to do this on video. I like doing it on video because this is one of those times where we really need to have that human connection with yeah. each other well, you need, to understand you, each other. You, you need to see the expression and the body language of the person who's talking to you if you're really going to understand what they're saying in the context in which they're saying it. Exactly. One of the things that really bothers me about what we've seen with all of these things is also that the proxy warriors, the, the people that go out and start these conversations, no matter who ends up being the middle ground, the middle ground is always wrong, even if they're part of one side or the other. Yeah. The middle ground is suddenly a traitor, and they go after the middle ground just as strongly as they're going after the other side. And that's actually some of what was experienced here in MarsCon. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is so disturbing to me about everything that has happened with this particular event with Larry Correa is that our children were put at risk. You talk about escalations. My child was put at risk. Larry's children were put at risk. Yes. They were threatened yep. because of the fact that we spoke up and said, this is not okay. Yeah. You know, let's have a conversation civilly, which of course then devolved. And I still tried to maintain civility and tried to say, look, there are good points on both sides. But then they came for me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's that's a problem because if you have gotten in your head so ingrained that your politics say there can be no middle ground, that I am marginalizing people of color or um, the It's LGBT always okay to punch a Nazi. It's always okay to throw a libertard out of a black helicopter. Okay. There's not much difference between those perspectives and they both foreclose the middle ground. Exactly. So there's no conversation to be had when you look at me and say that I'm not an ally 
well, no, I'm not an ally. I'm actually part of the LGBTQ community. I'm an advocate for it. I've worked on legislation to help protect us in my state. So Mars kind of had the, the, the issue come up. Yeah. And then one of the things, and MarsCon ran into the same, this issue, and it's actually interesting because some of the same issues coming up to the Supreme Court in some court cases um, is what happens in the internet forums because a lot of these cons do not have policies specific. So if you say something online in the MarsCon group, for example, or any pick any convention. I'm not going to throw another one under the bus too hard right now. They might not like me if I do. Um, I, I'm okay with doing it if needed, but um, they may not have necessarily a policy. And then does that mean that you should not be allowed to attend the convention? So David and I and both how long actually... does this policy go for? Because yeah. David and I were actually both involved with MarsCon helping to craft the policy or some version of it that ended up being actually put forth. Mm -hmm. I will say MarsCon is going to be working on a lot more policies. I've had several conversations with the ConCom regarding that. Yeah. Okay. But before you make these kinds of announcements, you really should have your policy put in place. Okay. Right, well, not only that, not only that, but when you formulate the policy, for God's sake, talk to people on both sides of the political divide. And You'll find that the same people are going to pretty much agree on the guidelines, okay, that the, the principles behind them. And the whole, um, the whole policy has to be drafted from a neutral perspective so that it can be evenly applied to either side, any side of the debate that may appear. So and here's a it question. must be trauma-informed. Because here there are people who have been traumatized on all sides of the issue by various things. And whether it's a guest that's accused of sexual harassment or violence or being a 2A supporter or whatever, we don't know what trauma the person reading that post may have had and may become from a place. So here's my question. And it's one that I have seen come up online. Would an anti-bullying group be very good to consult? And did MarsCon consult one? I know the answer. And somebody else knows the answer too, because they're smiling already. MarsCon consulted the Virginia Anti-Bullying and Discrimination Action Network. We are a group of advocates. And when they contacted me and when I stepped into the conversation from that point on, Babadon was involved. Um, and we did help craft language. Uh, so there are, if you're a con runner listening, what you just said is there are groups with fandom people in them that yes. are trained to look at this from a neutral perspective. And I think yes. that helps everybody involved. What do you think, David? I know you were involved also in some of these discussions in as fact, a pro. One of our one of our attorneys that that loves to get into this stuff is actually a massive Star Trek fanatic who dresses up as a Klingon at every convention he goes to. So well, Klingons are always reasonable, so that's, right? that's good work. Yeah, yeah. Ask any Klingon. We will do it our way. Anyway, yeah. um, I think um, I think that if you can find an actual neutral third party, okay, an actual, and make them a stakeholder in in what's going on here. Give them give them. Uh, a reason for this to be significant to them. And I think given the number of people in fandom 
who are marginalized for one reason or another. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I love fandom. I truly do. But let's face it, for a lot of people, fandom is a refuge. And there's a reason that it's a refuge. It's a refuge from something. Okay. And I think we all need to be aware of the fact that that's true. And we also, if it's our refuge, we need to be aware that it's a refuge for different reasons to different people. And that therefore what is, what is, is setting <laughs> off my internal alarms. Okay. Probably isn't setting off someone else's. Okay. Yeah. The other thing that I think we forget is I think it's a con's responsibility to tell the people who come to it to be adults, okay, to behave with an adult's understanding and restraint and to take the, you know, there's always the option that if you have a problem with a guest, you don't have to go to their panels. You don't have to go to the con. You can certainly contact the con and say, the reason I am not coming to your con is that I hate David Weber, okay? And I think he's an ax murderer who just hasn't been convicted yet, okay? I may sue, but you can say that. But the thing is... Yeah, that, thing, would, be, that would be libel. <laughs> that would be libel. But, but the thing is that you don't then say, so I think you should disinvite him so that I can come, okay? Yeah, if I you, mean if you tell the con why you're not coming, then you have registered the most emphatic no vote. It is in your power to register. Okay. Yeah. And trust me, the con com will pay attention if they get a whole bunch of people who say, you know, nope, 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 I'm not coming because. Okay. Now they should not then turn around and disinvite the guests that they've already invited just because of that, but they should notice, take note going forward of where the problem was. Yeah, I think it's very important also for concoms to have one person designated for public relations. Ideally, it's going to be your con chair. But if your con chair is not particularly suited to being able to draft or craft things that can be put out in the media, perhaps it should be your board president or someone along those lines. Because your PR person is going to be the person hearing the complaints, mm -hmm. handling the complaints dealing with the press if the press get called in or if there's a threat of calling be nice to that person be yeah. nice to that person but also listen the the person that gets that duty that gets that job is responsible for keeping that hat on that says i am a neutral party i hear you i will take your concerns to the board it is one of the most important positions that you have on your concom and all policies should be written to include that person in every conversation that said you're gonna end up with people that get upset about things that are actually not true and they will not listen to facts when they are brought forward for instance in the whole Tony Weisskopf discon issue, discon disinvited Tony Weisskopf based on a op-ed basically that was written on a blog by Jason Sanford accusing Tony Weisskopf of being the overseer of a section of the Bain website that she didn't even have anything to do with. Yes. And discon, oh, Hold on. Discon, instead of doing due diligence and researching it or contacting Tony or having the communication and the PR to do what needed to be done to actually find out what the truth of the matter was, capitulated 
to a number of people demanding that she be removed without all the facts. I was in the middle of that. Okay. We know that. Okay. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> all right. And they their their position was that if Tony would just be reasonable and apologize and give ground, that they oh, could all work this out. Surely we can all get along. And Tony told them specifically, specifically what you've just said. Okay. I, she I'm shut gonna... down the bar for like two weeks while she oh, looked yeah, into I, it. I remember. Herself. And it was the only time in the history, it was the longest internet fan forum continually operating. It was the only time it's ever been shut down. Yep. I think there was a brief moment in 9-11, after 9-11, where they turned off comments for a while. They did. They but it did. was a matter of hours, not days. Yes. And, but also, in going back to some of this fact-checking... Because I, I was involved in other forums on the discussion. Let, was Everybody let, kept calling Tony male. Let me, yes. Yeah, that's true. Tony male. And there were people who were actually ignoring the last name. Yes. And calling her a Nazi. Now, yes. this is a word I don't like using at all. Okay. Yep. But there's nothing more. Let's David talk, and then we got to go to a commercial break. Okay. okay. Um, I was going to say, Tony warned them when they issued the invitation that this was likely to happen. And they said, it's okay, we'll stand by you. And the instant that it hit the fan, they threw her under the bus. Okay, yeah. that is what exactly really what is wrong with fandom, no matter what the political basis of the accusation is. What really boggles my mind is I think it's on file 770, if memory serves. There's actually a piece about the settlement with Kevin Roche and WorldCon okay. and John Delaraz that says, that if Worldcon ever disinvited another guest, there would be something that happened. I don't know whatever happens in that, but I'd be curious to find yeah. out. Sorry, go ahead. Sam. It would be interesting, but we do need to cut to a commercial break and give everybody a chance to get a sip of water. So, JR, can you plug that? We are shamelessly shilling for ourselves today because this is the anthology that my story is in that I did with JR. Yay! So we're shilling for the woman this time. I got it. All right. 35 awesome stories started by one kick-ass meme. It started as a joke. Storm Area 51, they said. They can't stop all of us, they said. But all laughter has stopped when the U.S. Air Force mobilized and pulled out the big guns. However, relentless mockery and derision by the media and the powers that be pushed the dweebs and alien enthusiasts too far. What else were they supposed to do? They said why not, and showed up, determined to find out what secrets were hidden behind the walls of the clandestine government facility. Are you brave enough to buy this anthology today? If you are, find out what the government wants to keep hidden. Read Storming Area 51, a Bayonet Books anthology. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. Thank you, Doc, for, for deciding to sponsor this episode. Uh, it was contentious enough, potentially. We just didn't want to put anyone else's name on it. But uh, everyone knows I don't get political, <laughs> and they just come to me for the memes, so I figure I'm safe. <laughs> well, one of the things um, I think we kind of touched on, and I, I feel like it's important to reiterate, um, I'm not always going to agree with how authors respond to things. I will tell you some of the language that gets used when guests are disinvited is horrific. Mm -hmm. But I will always defend people's right to say those things and have those feelings. 
no matter which side they're on. And the point is to be as, as cognizant of that as a con board as you can and see both sides, remove the charged language and handle the issue instead of looking at the language as the issue. That's one thing that I like about the three strikes policy. Thank is you. That, is, is that the, 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 the moderators on the forum. That, and we're not expecting MarsCon to moderate the, monitor the entire internet to, to enforce policy. That would be nuts. Yes, we're expecting them to moderate their own social spaces. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in essence, the, the con chair can say to you, look, this language that you're using, it's, it's inappropriate. It's getting into that harassing territory that we said we're not going to tolerate. So I'm telling you now, tone it down. And if it goes on, you say, okay, second warning. All right. And if you keep it up and the third time you say, okay, sorry, maybe next year you can come back and talk, but this year you're done. Boom. Yeah. Okay. 30 day mute, 60 day mute, and then ban. Yeah, and that's and, and, and that, we use in a lot of the larger groups for bigger conventions. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think it makes it makes really good sense. Okay, um, and it's not going to be an arbitrary algorithm. It's going to be a live human being that has to make these calls, uh, and I think that probably is going to make for more flexibility rather than less, as long as we have somebody being as neutral as they can in what they read into the comments, okay? Yeah, I think people are always going to have the knee-jerk reaction of pull out the flamethrowers and throw every charged word that they can at an issue. Well, but I- the issue is not that they've thrown all those words because people are looking at what they've said and judging them accordingly. The issue is what is the board and what is the CONCOM doing about handling all of those emotionally yeah. charged words and whatever the underlying issue is that they're trying to address. I think the other thing that we lose track of a lot, and I've seen this on on both sides of the political divide, if you've been whacked enough times on the internet, your fuse gets shorter and shorter. And you go to DEFCON 3 a lot faster if somebody has threatened your, your family, if somebody has, okay, Mm-hmm. And you reach a point where you just don't have any patience anymore for people who do this. And the result is that you reach for the biggest clue by four you've got right out of the gate. Okay. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It shouldn't happen. It is incredibly human. Okay. Well, and that's, that's one remember. of the things that the con, that's one of the things the con needs to bear in mind when they're talking about how they put these policies in place and how they're going to handle them. And that's one of the things that people need to remember. Everyone involved in these issues is human. We are all people. And so when we're looking at things and someone's got that emotionally charged language, the first thing that we need to see as humans is there's another human that's upset. That's coming from a place of stress or PTSD or, you know, knee jerk um, anxiety, trauma that has happened in their past. Mm-hmm. We need to be sensitive to that in how we handle the response. And I, that's one of the reasons why I made such a big deal when I talked to the MarsCon board about making sure that the policy was trauma-informed. Because there's no doubt that people on both sides of this issue have experienced trauma. That I mean, on the left, you've got people that are bonafidely worried about situations like another Charlottesville. 
And then you've got on the right, people who have literally been character assassinated. And, and there's no defense are, for it. Yeah. It's and very have, hard have, to prove when you get those assassinations. Right. Yeah. But um, I think JR poked me in the chat saying he wanted to say something. So so uh, it's come up, and, and if you didn't hear some of the back end stuff, that people on both sides, left and right, or I wouldn't even necessarily, that's unfair to the left and right, jerks of all types have made threats against people involved children. And I have to say, as a dad myself, that's treading on dangerous waters because that's how you get yourself unalive real quick and in a hurry like. That's well, such a stupid well, thing to do. So off, if you're doing that, take your head out of your backside and reevaluate your life. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely right on that. But um, let's let's not go talking about unaliving people, period, because that's just always a bad plan. Um, and to be fair, so you I can, know, I need you to can take the infantry out of the out of the, the guy out of the infantry, but not the infantry out of the guy. Sometimes it's just turn of phrase. I get what you're saying. Probably not adding to the discussion. I was a sailor. I didn't have to worry about people doing much other than dropping up on us. But you know, <laughs> uh, that said. And, uh, I need to clear something up here real quickly because one of the other rumor mill things that's been passed around is that people on Larry's side threatened me and my family. And that is not accurate. In fact, it is so wholly inaccurate that I would like to set the record straight because my daughter and I had previous interactions with a very dangerous hate group that ended up with my daughter being put on this weird bounty list that they have out on the dark web. And so we have lived with that for five years. The people that were involved in this MarsCon thing calling for action to be taken that got very upset about me taking the middle are the ones who provided all of the doxing information to that group and put us back at risk and resulted in the bounty being raised from $10,000 to $25,000. Now, that said, if you're watching this in the hopes that you can figure out where we are so you can come collect the bounty, good luck because we don't actually live there. So the other... The other part of it that people sometimes forget, it happens with newspapers, with podcasts, and with conventions. Sometimes you invite people, whether you and, and letting them speak and talk about their worldview, their books, their movies, whatever, that's not endorsing the speech. So we have guests on here all the time that politically or, or whatever, fill in the blank, we don't necessarily agree with. And as long as they can be civil, I'm here to have that conversation because quite frankly, we need more civil speech, not less. And I think conventions are much the same, if I understand. They're not they, necessarily endorsing speech just by having a guest who you yeah. might not agree with. Well, no. and I think that they're also, what David pointed out, and you just pointed out as well, is fandom for many people, particularly those of us who are adults, who, as in not people who grew up in fandom. I did not grow up in fandom. This became a place where we could bond with our fellow person over something that wasn't politics and enjoy and revel in the benefit, the positive things that unite us instead of the things that differ from us between us. So I think JR, you did a great job of mentioning that. Dave has mentioned it. Science. So science. Sci and, um, science fiction and fantasy fandom has always had its political cliques and divides. 
Sometimes they've been just as brilliant as they've been now, but without the internet to pour gasoline onto the flames. Um, and I think part of the problem is that we are looking at a microcosm of an entire society where people are not speaking to each other. They are screaming at each other. Um, and it does not matter what your starting point is. If that is your approach, then you are contributing to the problem and not to the solution. Um, I've always tried to take that position in anything I put on the internet, in anything that I've said about this. Now, if I'm talking about someone who is a personal friend, uh, who is the subject of a disinvitation or whatever, um, I'm inclined to be a little testier with the folks who are doing the disinviting, okay, or want the disinvitation to happen. And I also have to say that this has been going on for five, six years that I've been involved with it. And it's the same play. Every it's also time. normally when you dig down, the same people involved. That's one of the things Mira and I were noticing. There are always a lot of the same people involved. Enough of them that it's conspiracy-esque. Do, do yeah. we want to blow the lid off that? Do you want we to know? Can. We have time. Okay. So uh, <laughs> there are distinct parallels that have been observed. I mean, every society has uh, groups and mm. all of those groups function together in some way, shape or form, right? So in con world, people tend to look at the author community and, and CIFWA mm. and, and all of that as one aspect of the community and the costuming community is a different aspect and the you know gaming community is a separate aspect. But when you start to draw the parallels, the same names appear in every single one of these things. So, for instance, there are a lot of parallels in the people who do make these complaints and the people who are actively involved in a specific, very large international convention, who are also involved in a very specific international costuming group, who are also involved in a very large international gaming group. And no, I'm not talking about the subgroups like the sad pups or the gamer gators or anything like that. No, no. I'm talking about people who actively express the desire to control fandom and have about 30 to 40 people that they generally use to do that throughout the United States. Now, you will notice this has not touched Canadian conventions or any of the international conventions. This is exclusive to the United States, and it's actually very indicative of our political climate in this country, because right now everything is politically charged. Yeah. So it's very easy to manipulate a group of people by finding something to get them upset about. For instance, Larry's most recent book that just came out is nonfiction and is about supporting Second Amendment rights. That there are people that claim that the reason why these complaints came up with MarsCon is because of the fact that that book came out and he was announced within the same week, which was only 10 days after the school shooting with a six-year-old in Virginia Beach, which is where MarsCon is held. Well, now, is that potentially tone deaf? Yes. Is that not considering the entirety of the community? Absolutely. Does he have the right to have those opinions? 
Yes. Does he have the right to have that book out? Yes. Does he have fans that would still want to see him at MarsCon? Absolutely. So these are, again, things you have to consider when you're a ConCom. Maybe it would have been better to wait two weeks to announce him. Give it some time for the wounds to heal. Okay. I'm going to say something. One second. David? Yes. I am going to have to disappear for just a moment. I don't know if you can hear, but I am being informed <laughs> somebody needs me to open a door. I will be right back. You okay. go listen to oh. your canine overlord. <laughs> Mary, it was Newport News that the uh, that the event happened. Um, just, that's right. Because that's Newport. my neck of the woods. It's, so, it's Hampton Roads. That's that's yeah. why. Yeah. So one of the things, and I'm going I'm going to toss this out because we talked about the tone deafness of it is the fact that there was no real timing to a, a change of a, able when you traditionally publish books. So because uh, you that has and David can can attest to this more than the rest of us because he's been traditionally published. For so Jessica, you are breaking up awful. So what she's trying to say <laughs> is that the you. the book um, was scheduled well before this event, and he so doesn't have any. The, the, book, was, the book was scheduled a year, eighteen months, yeah. before this date. I'm not yeah. blaming Larry. The imagination. And so people, no, Concom had the ability to look at it and say, "Let's hold this announcement for two more weeks." Yeah, they didn't even have badges on sale yet, so it would not have really hurt anything that said that's assuming that the concom was communicating and mm -hmm. we don't know to the extent that that was occurring i think the con chair and the concom are all very committed to putting on a good convention and they realized that they didn't have the policies and procedures in place to handle this yeah working on that very hard and i commend them for that but that's that's something to avoid in future conventions well i have to i have to say it's kind of like uh, the the old phrase, okay, uh, a wise man learns by watching somebody else pee on the electric fence. Yes. Okay. <laughs> if, if you can learn from, thank you, Will Rogers. If if you can if you can learn from someone else's experience, then for God's sake, do it. Yeah. But most of us aren't going to know there's a problem until it whacks us with a clue stick. If this has ever been a problem before, we are not going to sit there and say, ooh, could this be a problem now? I think it's something that concoms need to be doing more of when they are thinking about who they are going to invite. I think they also have to consider what their objectives in inviting a guest are. Is it yes. simply because we're inviting this guest because we think this is a really cool guest? Are we inviting this guest because we like this person's work? Uh, are we inviting them because we need a we, we, we'd like to see a contrarian view? OK, <laughs> are we saying, you know what, the cons finances are in trouble and we need to bring in a lot of warm bodies next year? OK, you know, what is the what is the I personally prefer smaller cons to larger cons. Yeah. And there are a couple of three reasons I do. One is that I can spend more time with people at a smaller con. The second one is that, to be perfectly honest, I can do more for a small con in terms of budget than I can one that everybody and his brother is going to anyway. And I'm not mentioning any in Atlanta or anywhere else when I say that. Uh, what are you yeah. talking about? I mean, it's, it's a baby con. Atlanta's only got small cons, I, yes, I swear. I, I understand. Yes, I've heard that. Um, <laughs> I've got some magic beans I'd like to offer you, you know. But, but seriously, the... 
I think we've already said this, and if we haven't, we need to. And that is, any con has the right to choose any guest they want to choose. Okay, the criteria under which on which you use when you're selecting your guest has to be up to you. You can put it to a vote at the con. You know, the, you know, you can nominate a slate at this year's con for next year's con and count the votes if you want to go that route. Yeah. But whatever the criteria that you use is, then you stand by it. And, okay. And- I think you have to be proactive like that because otherwise you're behind the eight ball from the beginning. And when these situations arise, you get thrown into this fight or flight mechanism. And that's when bad decisions happen. That's when you need a neutral party, a neutral voice on your concom that can help kind of mediate everything. And you have to look at things and say, okay, we have a set criteria and a set policy for when we will say this guest is not coming. And that's that's the thing that I think every ConCon needs to put into place right now if they haven't already. Um, what are the rules for your con on when somebody is not going to come anymore if you've already announced them? Is it they get charged with a criminal offense? Is it they have an overwhelming set of accusations about something that is provable through screenshots or video evidence or something along those lines? Is it some sort of bad behavior at another convention? Let's say they got completely trashed and destroyed the hotel bar that makes you go, okay. That wasn't me. (laughs) I've never done that, but I've known people. (laughs) David, we do know you're related to more than a few Marines. So given that... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank you. You're both speaking of trying to be aware of one, what your con- specific convention's target audience is, and, and trying to be um, aware of that in who you pick. But how, if you're also trying to worry about not potentially upsetting potential mobs, how do you prevent a convention from becoming bland in your effort to appease the easily offended who are, no matter what you do, probably will complain? Good policy. You just have to have good policies in place. You're always going to have complaints. I mean, there is no convention, no size of convention that has ever had a con where no one made a complaint. Someone's going to complain about something. They're, they're going to say, oh, there weren't enough luggage carts or, oh, the we only had, you know, two steampunk vendors. I wanted 30. There's going to be something they're going to complain about. You have to be prepared and be able to say, that's a complaint that we need to give weight to. And that's a complaint that, you know, okay, it doesn't really fit our con. Does that make sense? I think one of the things you need to do is weight the number of complaints. Yeah. If you've got one person who complains about a guest and you've got seven people who are complaining about another aspect of the con, then that's the aspect that you need to be to be looking at. Um, I think that you do need you need to know what your invitation criteria are. You need to be very clear on what your criteria for rescinding an invitation is. And in my opinion, it should only be for something that you had no way to know about at the time you issued the invitation, because you're supposed to do your due diligence before you issue the invitation. Okay. I think that you also have to, what you need is somebody on the, on the inside, on the concom, whatever, who not only is neutral, 
but who is accepted as neutral by as close to all parties as you can get. There are going to be individuals out there who the instant that this person disagrees with them, it's going to be, okay, this is not a neutral person because otherwise he would understand that what I am saying is obviously the truth of the situation. Okay. And that happens to ideologues. That happens to traumatized people. It happens to anybody who is that deeply invested uh, in the issue. Okay. It is so abundantly clear to you that this is the truth, that anybody who disagrees with you is not simply wrong. They are evil because they must know it's the truth and they're denying it for some reason. Okay. That said, there have been instances where people have been I, I hate this term because I actually don't think cancel culture is a thing, but that's a whole nother episode. Um, but <laughs> Seska knows. Um, we, could, we could debate that one, but go ahead. Canceled. I would say they've had the consequences of bad behavior forced on them by, you know, society. But uh, because of actual bad behavior. Now, I'm not condoning the fiery language that Larry used. That said, I've been at a dozen conventions with him. I have never seen him have bad behavior. If anything, nope. I think he actually conducts himself more professionally than other people that I've seen at conventions that are considered much more apolitical. Yep. yep. Um, that said, there are people that have had to be canceled because, for instance, they were emceeing a costume contest and sexualized a seven-year-old Wonder Woman. You know, our had yeah. multiple allegations of sexual harassment that even though the criminal charges were never presented, were so well documented through so many different conventions that conventions said, nope, hold up. We're finding out that there's a lot more than this one that we thought we knew about. You can't come anymore. I think mm -hmm. that's reasonable. That's, oh, that's reasonable. culture, that's consequences. There is a difference. But there's, I think there's also a cancel culture where it's the, the behavior that you're talking about has not been demonstrated. It has not been proved and the plug gets pulled anyway. Okay. And I think that's yes. what most people who are concerned about cancel culture are concerned about. Not the fact that this person really was a piece of work and shouldn't have been here in the first place, but yeah, that it's sufficient to... But it, but to, to, it's sufficient to say, I think this guy's a, a piece of work, so he shouldn't be here. Yeah. Okay. And that's, no, that's the that's, distinction. That's a wrongful allegation. And that's what I feel yeah. like we're dealing with with Larry. Oh, I, absolutely. I, Larry, Larry is one of the kindest, gentlest people I know in person. Okay. And he is sort of the poster child for what I was talking about. When you get whacked often enough, it's, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't start out, you know, you start right out reaching for the baseball bat. Okay. It's an and, interesting dichotomy because I, I see like him at con and he can be almost a split nice. personality. Yeah. He's super nice. He's super calm. And then I see him online and it's like firebrand and I'm going, the heck did he just right? A, a um, lot of people are like that on the internet, though. It's it's like it's almost a disconnect from reality. Yeah, but that that's part of why we did this in video because it is it's easier to stop, look, think, and um, and it it can be hard and there is a disconnect. Um, I, I will I will say this I will say this about Larry. There have been credible, actual physical threats. 
Yeah. Um, and that really started before he turned into the international Lord of hate uh, on, <laughs> on the internet. Um, and that's one of the big reasons that he did. Um, I'm not, you know, that's not my no. modus operandi. Okay. But I totally, totally understand where it came from. I don't think it's always constructive, but, but someone's got to stand up to bullies on both and, sides. Too. And that's why the policies always need to be trauma informed because on the opposite side, I mean, we're not talking about the opposite side, but the opposite side, people have valid bona fide concerns over the language that was used towards them and they feel harassed. And that is just as valid and just as reasonable of a concern as the concerns that Larry and, and the people who have gone through this allegation, wrongful allegation yeah. stuff have. And so we have to find a middle ground where if someone calls for a concern, the op the immediate reaction isn't bring out the flamethrower on either side. So here's a question. And it, I think Jair has a question and I'm wondering if it's it's the same one I have, but because I, I was going to say, did oh, shit. Did right, I so freeze? She, yeah, you froze. So I'll ask, and then hopefully your internet reset. So you I both think, talked. About, sorry, my internet is a little. It's okay. We understand. One of the things, David, you mentioned is you wanted to know, like, when people make complaints, how many of actual complaints there because obviously if a hundred people say something that takes more weight than one disc malcontent right yeah given that a lot of this stuff happens online is there ways because you both you and Mira both have been involved in cons and obviously a lot are there ways to know that this is actually different people versus one person with a hundred sock accounts because i know cases where multiple like one or two people have run so many accounts that they've literally gotten a guy's publisher to cancel him yeah. So I actually, I, I'm of the mindset that every complaint matters. Yeah. Okay. We can go about the, the puns on that in a minute, but the, the, the reality is if you're making a complaint, the forum that you're making it in needs to not be social media. It needs to be, okay. you need to put your actual name on it. If you're going to complain it, you need to own it. That said, okay. that solves that issue. Yeah, the CONCOM should not be releasing anybody's names no. on complaints. Simply the nature of the complaint and, you know, the language that was sent with the complaint without saying this person is the person who made that complaint. That was wholly, like, that shocked me. Because just like we don't want people doxing us, we don't want to dox people making the complaints either yeah. because they have the right to have those feelings. Yeah. And the CONCOM has to weigh that. So I feel like that aspect is, it needs to be handled very carefully. But there is there is a distinct problem in how you verify. If you're gonna, have, if you're gonna allow electronic transmission of complaints at all, the question becomes how you, how you verify the validity of the account from which it's coming. Um, and that's a, that's a significant problem. Um, one of the um, solutions that I saw suggested to this problem once before is, okay, when you send a complaint in to the CONCOM or whoever, you need to include not just your name, but your phone number. And then the CON calls the number and speaks to a live human being to at least confirm that there was somebody at that number. 
Okay. I now. would actually recommend handling it slightly differently. I think conventions should primarily be concerned over protecting their attendees. Mm -hmm. Whether you've attended one con or multiple cons, uh, I think if you are sending a complaint in, almost every convention has a list by name, by email address of the people that are coming. Because when you register for your badge, you register your email. So if you send the um, complaint from the email that you've used previously for registration, they should be able to go back and verify against the registration sheet. Has this person attended the convention? Is mm -hmm. the complaint coming from someone who actually is invested in our convention? I think that's an excellent idea. Is the call from within the house? I, th I think that's an excellent idea. Because um, the reality is this cabal that we're talking about, and I do actually call them the cabal, it, not to start a conspiracy theory. That's actually been out there for a few years. It's not a conspiracy. It's well-known fact. Um, but this cabal that continues to try and control who can and cannot guest on the con circuit and how cons do things is actively using people from outside of some of these conventions to further mm -hmm. the conversation. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's why I say, well, I, I, been an attendee. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think that the ConCom needs to operate from a mailing list. Yes. Uh, uh, okay, which they they monitor, they control, they know who's on it and who's not on it. And if you're not one of those verified email addresses, no address. then we're really. It's nice of you to to talk to us, but I'm sorry your complaint is not going to be considered in our decision-making process. If you have a friend who's been here who wants to pass it on to us for you, that's the one thing. But otherwise, you know, I think that would be a really, really good um, idea. Um, and, so, and, yes. I see. So Doc's question, because she was breaking up. So she wants to know uh, when it's okay and appropriate for the convention to lock down comments, both on their social media presence and potentially, I guess, in the other avenues. Because these <laughs> things are things that can snowball so quickly before a concom has a chance to re evaluate, yeah. react. This yeah. is the wonderful thing about social media moderation. You can actually put comment moderation in into your group before any of this stuff ever happens. So if you know that you're going to be announcing a guest and some of these terms may come up, you can go put them in your social media moderation tab on Facebook in your groups. And anything that comes through with certain words like Larry Korea, 2A, um, concern, you can go in and put all of those words in and it will automatically flag any comment and any post to the group for moderation, which means it won't get posted until a human being has uh, checked it. And yeah. so that's actually what I recommended to the MarsCon board was that they put that in place. Uh, I also offered help in going in and showing them how to do it um, so that that way they could make sure that their posts stay reasonably moderated. That said, you can shut down comments on a post anytime you want to, and you should if you think it's going to get out of hand because the last thing you want is for these things to fester it, it's like an infection and what it ends up doing is making a lot of hurt feelings mm -hmm. i have a lot of really good friends 
that have been longtime attendees, longtime staffers of MarsCon, former board members that have been very badly hurt by this whole situation. And it breaks my heart because they are wonderful people mm-hmm. and it was not necessary. But yeah. the policies weren't in place. So yeah. now they've learned that lesson. I will, I will just say this. It's never necessary to do something like this, really. Okay, if you have, if there's a valid reason why a guest should not be invited that falls into the categories that we've been talking about, that will almost always be sufficient. Okay, and I don't care, you know, I'm not talking about whether it's somebody who's left, somebody who's right. I don't care what the orientation of the, of the individual is. It should be possible to state your concern to the con, to the con committee in a way that is not going to turn it into a partisan football as long as there's a valid reason for it. Okay, the problem comes in, well, my reason is valid because it's mine. Okay, and I'm sorry, but it doesn't always work that way. I will agree to disagree with you on that because I feel like every concern and every reason is valid to the person that holds it. Oh, absolutely. So for that for that reason alone, it deserves to be heard. Okay, but remember and- what remember what I said, valid according to the criteria we've published. Okay. Yeah. I I get that. Yeah. Um I think where we tread into kind of murky ground is where we say is it valid because then we're questioning what somebody else's personal beliefs, personal feelings, personal experiences, mm-hmm. identifiers are. And mm-hmm. that's never okay. We don't ever want to exclude people from the community. The con community is inclusive. It mm-hmm. works best when it is inclusive. And that means everyone, everyone, regardless of age, gender, sex, identity, or uh, gender identity, sexual identity, um, racial, religious, color, creed, uh, political, ability, disability, all of these. It doesn't matter when it comes to their opinion, their voice, and whether their concern is valid. All of these people should be hurt. Everyone in the con community. We have to be inclusive. Okay. That means you know, if we're excluding a voice from that table, whether it be Larry Korea or whether it be someone as, as far left as Eric Flint, that's not okay. I agree with you. Okay. Uh, but I think that the con committee has to take a position on whether or not this is a valid complaint after it's made. Okay, and when I say valid, I mean as in one which will affect our decision. Not is this valid to you, but is it valid enough that we are going? And that's what I was talking about. I I got you. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Okay, so speaking, I'm going to make one note on this. And as somebody who is currently a con organizer and assistant at a couple different places, is the con... The volunteers are the ones who get stuck in the middle of this, guys. 
Oh, yeah. And we, we're, we're all working, everybody from the left to the right to everybody in between, hopefully, I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, is working for an amazing convention to happen to bring the best of our community together and celebrate the best of what we love. But also remember, in the case of MarsCon, even the case of DragonCon, which is literally a brigade worth of volunteers, a combat brigade worth of volunteers, everybody is a volunteer. So, under, so nobody's perfect and everybody's, that's why having some of those criteria is like the moderator. And sometimes the best thing to do is just say, I'm shutting down comments. Yeah. We'll come, I'll turn them on in the morning. Everybody's in the timeout corner together. Yes. And uh, so. Y'all go, y'all go count to 10, then do it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Um, my brother's a moderator for a whole bunch of corners groups. And he actually had to tell that he literally went, all of you are in the timeout corner. Comments are locked. Yeah. I have to do it fairly regularly in one of the cults. And um, it's one of the Dragon Con cults. So everybody, if you're first time listener, you don't think that we're talking about them, <laughs> like the children of God or something. Um, no, 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 no. It's all so, the carpet. <laughs> so um, having said that, it is getting to, to that time where JR wants to bring this home so that people can move on with their lives. Hopefully think about some of what we've said and let us know if more discussion of cons and the current events of con is what you want in the comments. So, so to, to, so to bring it home, because that was one of the things I was going to say, mention in the comments, the and we mentioned, like yours. Uh, my mute, my microphone isn't muted. Um, <laughs> so one of the things we, one of the things that, you know, I was going to say is if there are any specific subgroups, like, you know, related to con some smaller questions that we sort of glossed over that you want people back to talk about mention that if you want more general con stuff i mean i'll have to make doctor all the work i don't know anything about this but i'll put her to work i don't mind uh having said that as a parting gift for mira and david uh, if you, you get to edit the episode <laughs> as a parting gift we have one last question for you if you were going to come up with the dream advice for you know this is a brand new con that doesn't exist we'll call it widget con and you, you got a brand new person managing con com, I guess you called it, what advice would you give them to the brand new person running a con uh, in Run. this day and age? Run. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the one piece of advice I would give them is don't do this unless this con is going to be the child of your heart and recognize that children grow up. You have to be open to allowing the con that you have visualized to grow and change. But at the same time, you have to be a parent to that con, at least in the beginning, and exercise some judgment and some discretion as to where it goes, who you invite, and how this is going to fit with your community of friends and the fellow fans that you love. Okay. And Mara? This is a big question. Um, I agree with everything David said. It's, I mean, it's the hardest part of creating something anyway is watching how it grows and guiding it, right? And, and helping to foster it without stomping it into whatever niche you have made for. Yes. Um, that said, it is very important. And, and we've drilled this on policy and procedure quite 
it is very important to make sure that you put together people with good level heads, no matter what their personal beliefs or politics are, that have the ability to look at things from both sides of the coin and say, this is what I think is reasonable for the con. They need to stay focused on the con and the community and not personal hangups or, you know, whatever the, the scuttlebutt may be. Don't get trapped in the gossip mill and the rumor mill. Mm-hmm. Find a way to steer the con forward um, through good leadership, good policy, good procedure, good communication. Communication with your board and your con chair is essential. Yeah. Um, and, and good communication with all the people that are volunteering for you. Because the reality is, if people don't hear that they're appreciated for what they're doing, then they'll stop doing it. Yeah. And if they think that their opinions aren't being heard or their ideas aren't being appreciated, they will walk away. And that can kill a convention just as fast as any of these other issues. Absolutely. I would, I would, add, I would add one thing to what, what Mara was just saying. If you find a bunch of folks like the one she's talking about to put on your concom, what you will also be getting, and this is really the underlying thing out of all of it, mm-hmm. is you will be looking at a team that can work civilly together. That's what the end product has to be. Yeah. Um, and you want them to be, as a group, as inclusive as you can possibly get them for the demographic that your con is going to be looking at. And, and the other thing I will say is, please, dear Lord, sit down and write some inclusion policies, write some diversity statements, make sure you get some good things on, on board to make sure, you know, if you're going to have a costume contest, you've got a ramp. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's just my personal pet peeve. <laughs> okay. And uh, this wouldn't be the Blasters and Blades if I didn't remind you, dear listener, dear viewers, to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. You, When you write them on the various websites, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kindle, well, not, no, where all the places you buy books. See, I buy on Amazon too much. I need to fix that, Doc. But wherever you buy your books, leave leave reviews. It helps other readers find them. You're talking, you know, as one nerd to another. And so, you know, just be as honest as you can. If you thought it had too much cussing, that might be the other person. It's like, oh, that's the book for me or vice versa. Um, I have bought books off of bad reviews. That said, you know, obviously, karma is a thing. So try to be nice. It helps. So uh, with that said, oh, I say without said a lot. I got to work on that. Doc, it's all your fault. David, uh, all the links will be in the show notes, but how can listeners find you? What's your most active on the uh, wild, wild interwebs? Oh, well, to be honest, I'm not that active on David Weber author. um, And I haven't really been on my site at all very much lately. I've been posting on Facebook. You can find me there. Um, And I've been, yes, Siska, what was it you were going to say there? No, I just, nothing. I sent you a friend request on Facebook, David. Yes. You have two puppies. <laughs> oh, yes, puppies. Yes, puppies. We have two brand new, like nine week old German Shepherd puppies. They're using up some time, too. Yes, they are adorable, you know, and Sharon is absolutely worn out. <laughs> but yeah, that's, you know, I. 
Okay. And Mira, obviously you've been on the show a couple of times, so people might've already heard you, but if they wanted to track you down or get interested in your, uh, your costuming company, how could people reach out to you? So uh, Prop House 42 is prophouse42.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Prop House 42. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Mira Rose. Feel free to send a friend request if I look at your profile, and yes, I will stalk you on your profile, to determine whether or not, um, you know, you might possibly reasonably fit into my non-echo chamber, I will add you. Um, I have people of both parties, all alignments, uh, every variety you can imagine. So the only rule in that is once you're on, be kind. Be kind is my rule. I always will advocate kindness everywhere. You can also find me at marrowrose.live. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be running some photography and video at Nerdy Gras. So if you want to catch up with me in person uh, and, you know, tell me how much you hate everything I just said, I guess you can do it there. Um, that's nerdygras.org. Yeah, I know. I just threw them under the bus, but it's, it's actually going to be a blast. I hope people come out and have a great party with us. So, All right. And you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Send all the hate mail to Doc and Mira at blastersandbladespodcast.com. I'm sure they just want to hear all about it. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen over at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. And if you've got thoughts, you want to comment on episodes, that's the place to do it. If you want guests, mention it there. Hey, I'd really like you to interview Bob, insert last name, because he or she is really cool. Uh, that's, that's, you know, how we break out of speaking of echo chambers of the author groups who we already know, and probably have already interviewed a dozen times. We're always looking to find new people. So if you've got recommendations, the Facebook group is the place to do it or reach out to me personally. All right, doc. Uh, you can also find us on our blasters and blades, Facebook page. Again, we can't link it cause we don't have a dedicated URL. So click the like and follow button or whatever you do on the face page. Uh, and that would be most appreciated. And finally, you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can support the show and help keep the lights on. Or you could support the show more directly because podcasts aren't free and overhead is a thing at buymeacoffee.com backslash author Jared Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author Jared Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly caffeinated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. All right, Doc, bring us home. <laughs> Thank you for setting them up. Apparently, I'm re responsible for complaints. <laughs> Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber, JR, and myself, this was the Blasters and Plays podcast. Please be kind. Remember, we all love our fandom and our community. Um, we hope everybody has a wonderful con season. And thank you, Mira and David, for coming. Uh, this episode will be back. I lost track. Sorry. It's been a long day. Um, all right. But we'll be back, and uh, you can catch this and many other episodes at all those places listed. Thank you. In her defense, we recorded three episodes today. So, all yeah. right. Have a nice okay. one, people. <laughs>